this topic on how to live a meaningful life is build relationships that last. And some relationships feel like they're from heaven and others, well, we've got a few question marks over them, don't we? Whether it be a relationship that's just a friendship or it's a marriage, um, perhaps it's family relationships between parents and children or brother and sister. There's many sorts of relationships, but we need to build on that relationship and put some effort into it if we really want it to last. And look, when it comes to relationships, you could have weeks on end, seminars about relationships and what to do. But uh, this morning, I just want to share my top four that will give you a good foundation for building lasting relationships. And there's many other things that are important, but let's just go to these four. So the first thing is, we need to value our relationships. <laughs> Who's ever walked from one side of the Sydney Harbour Bridge to the other? How many? Ooh, look at you. Very good. Who's had the joy of ever climbing the Sydney Harbour Bridge? Yes, wow, well, there's quite a few of you. Wow, I've never done it. I've looked at it, but not done it. Well, you may not even realise that the Sydney Harbour Bridge, or any other bridge for that matter, there's usually a very good reason why it was constructed. And what's even more interesting is some of the reasons that why it was constructed bear a great similarity to our desire and our need to build and value relationships, build bridges to others that will last, whether it be with our relationship with God or whether it be with others. Civil engineers are concerned with the design, the build and the maintenance of bridges, and they deal with what you'd probably call the ordinary life of citizens. But there's the other type of engineer, and that is the relational engineer, and that's where we come in. And they're equally involved in serving the community in building and valuing strong and positive relationships. And if we don't understand the value of why a bridge is built, then we won't value it, will we? Probably none of you have thought on a Sunday, hmm, I wonder why a bridge is built. And if we don't value it, then we're not fussed whether it remains or not. Although I think with the Sydney Harbour Bridge, we might be fussed if that remains or not. And when it comes to building bridges and keeping our relationships with others, I think God wants us to place far more value on them than perhaps we realise. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, so much that he gave his only son, that anyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He was very invested in relationships. And God loves relationships and he is deeply concerned about you. He also wants you to value relationships and he, and he does that and he, he wants us to build lasting relationships with each other because we were created in his image. One of the pictures I love when thinking about bridges is that some of them span over beautiful rivers or harbours. And in the word of God, the symbol of the Holy Spirit can, often is water. And when we go to build life bridges with others, we need the Holy Spirit to flow under or beneath the relationship that we're in. And the minute we go from point A to point B, we encounter water. And we want to be able to encounter the Holy Spirit and Him to be the foundation of all our relationship with our family and our marriage and our friendships. John 14 verse 26 says, But the Helper... The Holy Spirit is here to help us. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Ask and allow the Holy Spirit to help you in your relationships. I do. I do all the time. I'd be lost without him. Some relationships develop so easily and you think there'd never be a hassle. And then there's the other ones. Every other relationship has the potential to crumble unless we hold fast to the principles and make our relationships last. So the first thing is we need to value our relationships. The second thing is we need to be committed. I'm not talking just about an acquaintance or someone you just met for the first time or bump into them now and again, where you're involved and you, you don't see them often, but I mean you have some form of ongoing relationship with that person and you want to make it last. Well, firstly, you have to decide, are you really committed to that relationship or friendship? Great tennis player Martina Navratilova said, the difference between involvement and commitment is like ham and eggs. The chicken is involved, the pig is committed. <laughs> and many of you, how many, how many of you got great relationship with your neighbours? A guy called Tom picked up, uh, was pick, going to the airport to pick up a guest speaker for a leadership conference. And the guest speaker was secretly mourning the trade-in of his beloved ute that he had. So when Tom showed up with his brand new ranger, they immediately started bonding, sharing ute stories and laughing at the bumper bump sticker. Nothing is more beautiful than a man and his ute. As the guest speaker climbed into Tom's new ranger for the ride back a few days later, he noticed there were two big scrapes on the passenger door. He said, oh my gosh, what's happened here? The guest speaker asked. Oh, my neighbor's basketball post fell and left some dints and some white marks. Tom sort of said in a very downcast voice. Oh, you're kidding, said the guest speaker. How awful. Oh, it's all oh, this car is so new, I can smell it. What's even worse, the guy said, Tom said, is my neighbor doesn't even feel responsible for the damage. How frustrating is that? Rising to Tom's defense, guess the guest speaker said, did you contact your insurance company? Are they going to get them to pay for it? And he said, oh, this, Tom said, this has been a tough one for me. And after a lot of soul searching over the last couple of days and talking with my wife about if we got legal help, it just really came down to this. I can be in the right or I can be in a relationship with my neighbor. And since my neighbor will probably be, be with me longer than this car, I've decided I'd rather be in a relationship than feel I have to prove I was right. How much value do you place on proving that you're right in a relationship. For those who have a strong sense of justice in their personality, it can be agony not to prove you're right. There's just something that's got to put that nail in, let them know, I was right, you know, and let's get on with our lovely relationship and that. But when you're in a relationship with someone else, are you committed to, are you committed to the point that proving you are right isn't the most important thing always, if it means you're going to save that relationship? Pastor Alan Davies once said a few years ago, something along these lines, I can't quite remember the exact words of the quote perfectly. He said, but don't cut off a few bad branches only to, to find you've destroyed the whole fruit tree. And Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 to 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who was alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. In Acts 2, 
verse 42 says, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal and the prayers. And even though there may be times I irritate Sean or we get off balance due to stress or whatever, (laughs) while we ever entertain there is an out, our relationship will never totally flourish. And we don't want our relationship to come from a position of weakness and to be on a threat hanging over our heads. Oh, is he going to leave? Is he, you know, this sort of thing. We want it to be based on commitment, which it is, and flourish from a position of strength. You don't have a 41 and a half year marriage if you're not committed to each other and to the marriage. Now, I know there are times when people are so hurting and aching inside that the thought of working at a relationship seems more than they can actually bear. And I don't say this at all with a lack of concern or feeling for you. But if you have the almighty God residing in you, then you need to soak and soak and soak in his presence, pouring out your heart to him so he can help you heal your hurts and enable you to sow back into that relationship. That doesn't happen overnight. Separating from a relationship doesn't heal the pain. It just stops the pressure for the time being. But it doesn't heal you up and it doesn't bring you closer to that person. Peter F. Drucker said, unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans. With no commitments or plans, how can a relationship have a future? It is just way too easy to grow apart. The challenge is to be growing together and committing to whatever adjustments are needed to make that happen. You know, when it comes to family, sometimes there's just some practical decisions you need to make to make that relationship work. Like deciding you need to move out of of home because 16 of you sharing one bathroom and bedroom simply isn't working for you. And I know that's greatly exaggerated. But whatever it is, if you can't live amicably with with one of your family under the roof, then make some physical adjustments, but never, Never give up on loving your family members. Let them know there's always a place in your heart for them and you are committed to being there for them, whether that is your children, your parents, or your brothers or sisters. 1 Timothy 3 verses 12 to 13 says, Servants in the church are to be committed to their spouses, attentive to their own children, and diligent in looking after their own affairs. Those who do this serve Those who do this servant work will come to be highly respected, a real credit to this Jesus faith. If you want a relationship that lasts, whether it be friendship, work-based, neighbours, family or marriage, then commitment must be at its foundation. So the first thing is we need to value our relationships. The second thing is we need to be committed. The third thing is We need to become skilled in communication. You will never have a lasting relationship with anyone unless you grow in the skill of communication. Anyone can communicate, but it might quite be hurtful or stressful. Proverbs 11 verse 9 says, Evil words destroy, godly skill rebuilds. Proverbs 12 verse 18 says, Some people like to make cutting remarks but the words of the wise soothe and heal. And skilled communication 
means you are making a deliberate attempt to engage the person and value their thoughts and feelings. But boy, oh boy, what a complicated process skilled communication can be. Firstly, we have the difference between male and female. And hello, that is a major challenge in itself. You only have to be in our church office five minutes to realize Sean and I are more than often on totally different planets. <laughs> Mars and Venus, here we are. <laughs> then we have to factor in your personality type and the other person's personality type and the way they see things and the way they respond to things. Oh, it's great fun, isn't it? And as a simple example, and this doesn't have to relate to marriage, but it does in my case, Sean's sitting there going, oh my gosh, what's she going to come out with next? <laughs> I know he's pulling faces over there. Because when I say something, people are laughing and I think, yes, that's right. So as a simple thing, I can say so-and-so has asked us over for dinner on Saturday night on a certain date and they want us to confirm. Are you good to go? Seems a simple question. Sean, oh, I'm not sure if I'll be finished my sermon by sun for Sunday by, the by Saturday night. All I wanted was yes or no. <laughs> so that's a yes or it's a no. They, they just need to know. Then the tension can mount as now Sean feels pressured by me to make that decision. You see, Sean's personality type gravitates to analysing things for a while before making a decision. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's many people who are like that, and you know it if it's you. My personality type gravitates to bringing things to a closure a little faster. Let's make a decision. Let's wrap this sucker up. Tick off my to-do list, and then I can answer them. But if I'm a clever girl, I will say, and I've learned, that's okay. Have a think about it and get back to me later on. And you see, if I give Sean some space and some time to totally analyse all the options about that, <laughs> there's not too many options I'd need to make, but anyway, he will finally make a decision and it works for us. However, and this is the trap, if I'm tired or stressed, I will put more pressure on him because I'm getting frustrated and I want that answer now. And it's simple, yes or no, how hard can it be? Skilled communication in any relationship is going to make or break it. Let's make it last. Now that's great when everything's going fine in your relationship, but what when the heat comes on and now there's a disagreement or an offence that has taken you, taken by you or your friend? This is what really tests whether you value that person and are committed to that relationship or not. When it is a relationship that you value, then as awkward and as painful and as embarrassing and as scary and feeling sick in the stomach as you may feel, gone through all of them, when you initiate that skilled communication with them or trying to be as skilled as you can, even if you are in the wrong, then you have just punched a hole in the wall that separates both you and it's weakened it. So it eventually comes down. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification, I love this, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Oh, I'd love it that if everything that came out of my mouth imparted grace to the hearers. I know it doesn't, but I wish it did. <laughs> oh, gee, hello, some truth bearers over on that side. <laughs> A word of caution from not so good experiences. Emails and mobile text messages can exacerbate a situation more than help it. Because of wounded feelings, filters people have, 
No one ever reads an email in the right tone of voice or the spirit it was intended. Something I read once says, electronic communication will never be a substitute for the face of someone who with their soul encourages another person to be brave and true or openly bears their mistakes, their feelings and hopes for the future. If you want relationship that lasts, never shut down the channel of communication and get as skilled as you can. The libraries are full of self-help books and so is YouTube. So the first thing is we need to value our relationships and we need to be committed. We need to be skilled in communication. And the final point is we need to extend mercy and grace. Give people the option of growing and learning from their mistakes. No one is perfect and we can all slip up when we least expect it. Just because some of us are older and we've been doing life longer doesn't mean we can't make mistakes. I would like to go through one week without making a mistake or unintentionally upsetting someone. We are constantly learning, constantly slipping up and hopefully learning from our mistakes. And if we can accept our vulnerability to mistakes, then why can't we extend that same courtesy to others? It was a bit of a challenge doing this message because I was very pipped off with someone in our complex we live with who did something in the last fortnight. I was spewing at them. So I'm doing this message. Holy Spirit's going, and how's that extending grace and mercy going on? And I thought, I cannot get up on Sunday unless I've decided to forgive them and extend mercy and grace, which I did. But boy, what a toss-up doing this sermon. <laughs> it's not uncommon that your pride gets in the way. Ooh, I was. How dare they say this or do that? Ooh, spewing from me. How quickly we forget how many times the things we say or we do each week that God has to extend grace and mercy to us. Other times, it's not just your pride, it's that sense of justice again that rears up and we just need to show them in your standoff manner that they have done something wrong to us. When did we become God? When did we become God? Psalm 17 verse two says, let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. That verse has always irritated me. <laughs> when we don't extend mercy and grace, we make a final judgment. We become judge, jury, and executioner. We actually say, whatever mistake the other person made is too big for my God to work his miraculous power in. I don't trust that God can speak to this person or that they will listen. And I don't trust God to miraculously intervene in that situation. That's what we're saying. James 2 verse 13 says, mercy triumphs over just judgment. I have requoted that to myself many, many times in life and opted for mercy. Perhaps you feel you have been so hurt, you are so raw, or perhaps part of you just feels dead and you don't feel like you've got any mercy left to give. You know what, that's okay, God understands, but he's got plenty. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You may say, well, that's about me, 
being given mercy. But you can't give away something you haven't received already in the first place. And the more you come into God's presence, the greater the overflow of mercy and grace will be to you so that you can extend it to others. I'm not saying magically overnight we have to love being around that person that's wronged us, but we need to be committed to asking the Holy Spirit to help us to want to forgive them and commit to showing grace and mercy. And he will. I have done it so many times in my life. He will. We don't know what's going on in that person's life. And what we think is sometimes top priority for them to deal with may not actually be top priority on God's list because he knows how to make them a better person in the wrong, make them a better person in the long run in his timing. When it comes to an abusive relationship, then you need to seek professional help. And while you don't give up on the fact that God can work in a person's life, it is probably not in your best interests or for safety to stay committed to that relationship. There have been many, many times in a friendship or in my first marriage, that's the one I'm currently in. I'm just seeing if you're still awake. that I've extended mercy and grace. And it certainly wasn't based on my feelings, no, not at all. But as I journeyed the way God's word tells us to do, I saw God deepen my friendships and sometimes restore feelings that I felt had died in some seasons. God is for you and wants your relationships to work. Trust him, just trust him. Matthew 18 verses 20 to 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Do you think that perhaps God knows somewhere in there that there is the potential that that person can change and he is giving grace for that change? You can be absolutely certain that no mistake is powerful enough to overwhelm God's grace and mercy. One almighty, our almighty, is more than all your seemingly overwhelming mighties. Hosea 11 verse 9 says, For I am God, not man. That statement alone changes the whole ballgame. Isaiah 55 verse 7 says, He will abundantly pardon. In other words, He will drown the other person's sins and mistakes in His mercy and spend all He has rather than let it be said he is, that his good is overcome by their mistakes. And he does the offers the same to us, to you and to me. Are you allowing your pride or sense of justice to stop the flow of God's power into your relationship with the other person? Are you allowing your pride and sense of justice to stop the flow of God's power into your relationship with the other person. Extend mercy and grace to them. Let God's power work in their lives and flow into your relationship with them. You know, in extending mercy and grace to them, you need to choose to trust them again. Give them the chance to show that they have learned and they've grown. I thank God for the people who've given me the chance to show that I am willing to learn and can change and will still be doing that. And while God is at work, I always hope and believe people can change, that they deserve a second, a third, a fourth, 
and how many chances, and it has paid off. So this morning, I hope I've sown a seed in your spirit that you may not, that you may not even use now, but somewhere down the track, there'll come a time when you have to make a tough choice. And I hope the spirit of what I've shared this morning comes back to you. For some of you, you might be in a tough situation now. You may be silently enduring something that no one knows about. Can I encourage you? Don't give up. Don't give up. We have a miracle working God who can work in your life and the life of the person you have a relationship with.